0: Welcome to Grass Talk Radio. This show is for people who play bluegrass music and anybody who might want to. Howdy folks and welcome back to Grass Talk Radio. In the previous episode, I mentioned that I went to Pennsylvania to visit my new grandbaby. Her name is Georgia. What a wonderful name for a child to be born in uh, Pennsylvania. My daughter has, is is the best. Here, I'm going to play you a little snippet of my daughter. I think she was about 13 and her assessment of me. My daddy's crustier than Bill Monroe's butt. <laughs> it is true. I am a little bit into bluegrass. My daughter is great and I, I got to hang out with her husband, Nick, who we affectionately call Pub and pub is a musician and he's he's uh, he's an electric guy i spent about an hour uh, getting the tour of his pedal board and being a bluegrass musician i have to say i didn't know what he was talking about on a lot of this stuff i carry around a couple of pedals that i use on my electric bass i mean on my upright bass to go electric you know i got a basic little preamp that, that's it but I was fascinated. I, I'm sort of jealous of those electric guys with all their toys. And then uh, over the course of the Thanksgiving weekend, I went with him to watch his band play and watched him play the guitar and play the pedal board. And it's pretty impressive. I, I, I'm i really jealous of those guys. I'm not encouraging any of you to take up, go down that evil path of playing that <laughs> that that demon rock and roll or anything, but it is kind of neat to think about how, how different bluegrass musicians are from what I would call most plugged in electric musicians, because, you know, their tone quest is often involved in a, in a completely different area than we bluegrassers think. Anyway, enough about that. I want to get on with this episode and listen, this is going to be a race to the finish. <clears throat> I mentioned before that I have a limited amount of upload space on Podbean where I put up the podcast. And I did a couple of one-hour episodes and I had five weeks in October. And this whole thing, this, the, uh, the space that I have available to host these for free is running out. If I, if I got some serious donations, I would go ahead and sign up for unlimited space. But anyway, I've got to try to hold back the length of the episodes. At least, you know, I I originally thought, well, I'll go 30 or 40 minutes. And then I did an hour over an hour and then I've done some more and like here lately, especially on these band related topics like the PA episodes and stuff, it's real easy to go over an hour. So I'm going to try to keep this one short. So put on your seatbelt. We're going to blast through this one. The topic of this episode is a mini course in marketing your band. Uh, This is really designed for people who have no clue what to do. Think of it as marketing your band 101. And if you are already doing some of these things, you can hear my take on some of these ideas. And, you know, everybody's got their own thoughts on these things. These are my thoughts on this subject and what I have seen really, really work and what I've seen not really accomplish much. So if you want to be out there playing more gigs or playing any gigs or getting better gigs, this is some of my advice to you. So here we go. Marketing your band. I'm going to blast through Light the Fuse. The first thing. You need a band name. Oh, and by the way, many of these topics could eventually blossom into full episodes, so I may not go into great depth about any one of these topics today. I just want to, like, spark your, get your thinking on that thing. Think about a band name. If you don't have a good band name, you need one. And it's weird. They don't have to be. People spend a lot of time laboring over what are we going to call this? What are we going to call this? And then it's amazing how later on how very little it really matters. I think there are some general guidelines that are helpful. One is when you're choosing your band name, I think it's a really bad idea to make it some combination of words that people don't know how to spell. Because if they don't know how to spell it, (laughs) a third time out is a great example of that. Luckily, they are nationally known, and by now we've all learned how to spell it, but when they started that I-I-I-R-D-T-Y-M-E, I I mean, that's pretty weird. You're asking for your name to be misspelled on every festival flyer. So I would just say kind of maybe avoid those things. There was a band I used to know in Atlanta called Steel Blue. Great band. The the banjo player with that band is now up in Asheville and has a place up there called the, I think it's called the Isis Theater. He's a good dude. and He was a big, um, um, you know, one of the major local players in bluegrass around Atlanta. And uh, he, his band Steel Blue, the S in steel was lowercase. And I think the B in blue was uppercase. But I used to do a festival a flyer and t-shirt every year for the Peach Blossom Bluegrass Festival. And then when they would play, I didn't really know how to do their name right. I'd always have to go digging around on the web trying to figure out. Now, I can't remember. Is it capital S or lower? You know, so what I'm saying is don't get too cute with your name. Try to make it simple, simple and easy to remember. So names, I, I might actually do a whole episode on band names, but you need a name, that's item one. Number two, and this is the most important thing in marketing your band. Other than having a name, because if you don't have a name, if you know, how is anybody ever going to contact you for a gig? So you need a name, and then this. You need a contact person. I've seen a lot of bands where everybody is the contact person. I've seen business cards with five names on it three of whom are dead or have quit the band years ago. You know, I do not suggest that you be highly democratic about your contact. What you need to do is everybody needs to sit down together and think about this. Who is the best person? If somebody wants to hire us, who among us is the best person to talk to that other person who will call them back immediately who will get the most money for the gig? Who can talk us up and sell us? Who's the salesman in your group? And you might have a person that they're great at all that, but their phone number changes every other week. <laughs> my, my my middle daughter, I I can never call her because it seems like about once a month, it seems like her phone number changes for whatever reason. That's not the person you want on your contact. When I was with Pony Express, we used Buddy, Buddy Ashmore, as the contact person. And the reason we did that is ever since I had known that man from 1975 or 6 until today, he's still got the same phone number. Now, a lot of times when people would call him, He would talk to him a bit, and then he'd say, okay, uh, call Brad. And he would give him my number. And, you know, I was moving around and a lot of different things. My number would change, but his never changed. So having a very solid, unchanging phone number, I think, is really important. Same goes if it was an email address. Uh, In Cedar Hill, it was the same deal. Uh, Back when I joined Cedar Hill, the phone number that I dialed, To call up the duck, who was the booking contact person for Cedar Hill, it's the same number today. That's 40 years. 40 years, he had the same phone number. Same with Buddy. So pick somebody who is the most stable, even if they act as the the funnel where the call comes in and then they forward them on to you or something. A very stable contact person and you know, the friendliest, most likable person in your band. Okay, got to have that. Number three, and this is so important. If you do nothing else than have a band name and a contact person, do the third item. Get yourself some business cards. Item one. I mean, before you even finish writing set one, Get yourself some cards. Put the name of the band on it and put that contact info. You must have them. People think that everything is done with the internet today. And I'm here to tell you that is not true. Somebody can uh, send me a message over Facebook or Twitter or an email. And yes, it's fast. And yes, it does work. But that information is soon buried in a swamp of... Of other messages and things. When you hand somebody a business card. Or mail it to them. Or whatever. People. Keep them. They put them in their wallet. And I think it's very important. That your business card be a complete. Uh, you, It needs to. They need to be able to look at it. And go. I know whose card this is. I could pull out my wallet today. And pull out a stack of business cards that people have handed me and I look at them and I go, why do I have this guy's card? You know, it's like an auto repair shop. I look on the back. I'm like, I don't even know where I got this. Why do I even have this? Don't let your card be like that. You're a band. You know, you might have your picture on it. You, you'll, you, Hey, that looks like a bluegrass band on the front and there's their name and there's a contact info. You know, make it so stupidly obvious, but people will hold on to cards and you'd be surprised 10 years from now, somebody may call that number. So that's why I was pushing the idea of you need a very stable contact person. So get you some cards and don't be cheap about it. I always told people that. The number one way to promote your band is a business card. And they're cheap. I mean, what do they cost? Two cents? Three cents? A really fancy one might cost a nickel. Give them away like water. If you're at a gig, if you're playing a little performance and you don't give away 25 cards, you are missing the boat. I I mean, just waste them. Don't even worry about them. Buy them by the thousand. Make sure every member at every gig, I I, I I still do this today. I show up at a Plucktones gig and I got cards in my pocket and I walk up to John. I stick about three in his shirt pocket. And I say, John, here, here, here's a couple cards. Pat, here's a couple cards. They probably go home that night and they still got them in their pocket. But they'll forget to have them ready to go. And when somebody comes up and is shooting the breeze with you during the break and they're you know like hey we're gonna have this little thing down or whatever just reach in that pocket hand them the card and say call us they'll stick it in their wallet and then they can just go about their business business cards business cards business cards do them okay enough about cards for now the fourth thing you need is a photograph you need a photograph it doesn't have to be on your card if if you think that photo helps the card, put it on there. If you think it hurts the card, I mean, not everybody's, you know, the greatest thing to look at. Some people have a face for radio or a face for podcasts like me, but a photograph helps that you can look at a photograph and go, Oh, that's a bluegrass band. You know, don't spend like all your time trying to figure out how to come up with the coolest logo and all that kind of stuff. That stuff just doesn't matter. What matters is you, how good you are at getting back with people and how easy you are to be contacted and how simple your marketing is. So a photo is a good idea. Now you also need that photo because if you're going to get booked places, people are going to ask you, hey, uh you got some pictures? If you don't have a picture, your picture is not going on the flyer. It's not going in the program, it's not going in the newspaper. So I really suggest that as soon as you are a real band that you go find a professional photographer. Just just because everybody has a camera and a, you know, I don't suggest you do it that way. Those snapshots, look, just go get a photographer to do a photo session, preferably one who has shot bands before. Shoot a bunch of stuff. Pick one and print some. You'll also have them that you can put on your website and that kind of thing. But get yourself a good photograph and also be prepared that about once a year or every time a member changes or periodically update the photo. You know, don't just use the same old photo from 30 years ago over and over and over. Get them done. There's places on the web you can you can get the classic 8x10 glossy. If you do that, if you've got a business card and you've got the 8x10 glossy and they can get a hold of you and you might mail this to them, you might drop by a club and just hand it to them, you know, staple the card. to, And by the way, have all your contact information on the picture too. Get them printed. They're not expensive. We used to get 500 pictures at a time. Of course, we would sign autographs on them and give them away at, at, at gigs. And they serve as a business card too, because people won't easily throw that eight by 10 glossy in the, in the trash. Little kids will come up and, you know, you sign the thing and they, they just feel so good. And then their parents will look at it and you, you know what I'm saying? It's just a big giant business card. So you use photos to your advantage. Okay, next thing. You need a demo recording. If you're going to go out and sell yourself, they're going to ask for it. Hey, have you got a demo? Because if they've never heard you, or even if they have, they might be needing to convince some other people. Somebody may come see you and go, man, I really like this. We're going to have this barbecue thing. And and they need to take it back to their entertainment committee. you You need a demo, and you need to always be making demos. One demo made 10 years ago may not be the thing. You need some things to lay on them, you know. I would say that the typical good procedure is to have a three or four, three is probably good, a three song demo. You don't have to go to a recording studio and spend a bunch of money to do this. You can do it that way a good quality demo sometimes sounds better than you do, you know? So I want to caution you that way. Don't go in and, and create something that you can't represent when you show up live, you know, but you also don't want these iPhone recordings at a gig where it's just a mess and you can't hear the band and that kind of thing. I mean, something's better than nothing, but, You do need some quality on this, but it doesn't have to be a Grammy winning recording, you know, but you need something. So think about a demo, three song demo, and just bear this in mind. You're lucky if they're going to listen to it at all. And if they do listen to it, they're going to probably listen to about 20 seconds of the first one. And they're going to go to the second track, you know, listen to a few seconds of that. And the third, and then they're going to make a decision. It's that quick. You don't have to. Uh, they're they're never going to get to that fourth verse and hear your wonderful mandolin break or anything. So, make sure you do things that are impactful and much like writing a set. Show some variety, and if you can, uh, sh- try to put at least something in there they've heard. Okay. You need a demo number six, uh, write yourself a bio, get everybody to write their little personal bio, conglomerate that into some sort of a band bio. You may not have much of a history if you're just starting, but so you can use the history of the people who are in it. Don't make it too wordy, but at some point people are going to get, you know, if they're sort of interested They're going to go, well, who, who are these guys? So if you've got some things you can say about yourself that you think will help sell it, do it. You know, some of your members will have long bios and some very short. Just try to make everybody sound good and don't lie. And that's your chance to do a little name dropping. Like, yeah, for 10 years I played in the Jerry Reed band or something, you know that's your one little chance. So start working towards uh, developing a little bio. Okay, now let's go to number seven, uh, the high-tech stuff. Do you need a website? I say yes. And, However, what you don't need is a crappy website that you don't understand how to update and that you have to pay somebody else to do and that five years down the road is all out of date and all weird looking. You need a website, but that website could be a single page. It could be two or three pages. And one of your band members needs to be able to update it, to put schedule info and make it look like it's a living thing. And why I say you need a website, a lot of people think they can do all this with just a Facebook page but I would like to remind all of them. All I have to say is this. MySpace. When MySpace came out, all the bands jumped over there. Musicians, that was the place. And you create these pages. And you could. You thought you could just market yourself with nothing but a MySpace page. And then it all went away. And now there's Facebook. So, just remember... Next year, there might not be a Facebook. Oh, yeah, it'll still be there, like AOL. AOL is still around. But ain't nobody going to AOL. So just be prepared. Technology changes. So if you have your own website, that will remain throughout all these techno changes. I mean, it, you know, YouTube hasn't even been around for 10 years, or almost exactly 10 years. MySpace has come and gone. AOL was huge, and now it's kind of just a mess. Twitter, it'll come and go. These things come and go. You should use those, but always point them back to your domain name and your website so that you can always preserve that. And when the new thing pops up, Instagram or whatever pops up, you can go on there and create an account and always, always, always be directing them back to your website. Okay, enough about that. Um, Number eight, I think it's a good idea. I'm going back to the demo recording. I think it's a good idea to burn some CDs, you know, just as needed. A CD is still something you can drop in the mail, get your Sharpie out and write, you know, Cedar Hill demo and your contact info or make a nice label. Uh, You know, there's still some old school people. You might be dealing with an agent and he's going to pass it along to a client. Even if they have to go out to their car, most people still have access to a CD player. Now, I'm not saying that sending MP3s through email and all that is a bad idea. I think you should do that too. But just be prepared. There are some festivals, if you're going to be playing bluegrass, you're dealing with people that are, some people are still playing 8-track tapes, okay? Okay. There's a there's a great festival down at uh, near Waycross, Georgia called the Twin Oaks Bluegrass Festival. I think it's what it's called. Uh, they've been going around for forty some years, and more than forty years. You send that guy a CD, he'll he'll be able to play it and check it out and uh, decide if he wants to hire you he may not be, you know, up to speed with Facebook. So don't think just because you have all these technology skills that your intended victim (laughs) will also be able to do that. So think Luddite here, you know, okay. A promo kit. Now we're kind of getting advancing here. If you've got the name, the business card, the contact person, the photos, the demo recording, the bio, the website, the CD, A promo kit is just all that stuff thrown together. You don't need that initially, but it's handy, especially for brides who are planning a wedding rehearsal dinner or something. You know, to be able to print all that stuff out and stick it in a big envelope and send it to her, you're more likely to get hired than the person that can't do that or won't do that. Okay, so that's promo kit, a physical promo kit, something you should look at. Then there is the EPK, the electronic press kit, and there is, it's hard to find a good definition of that. You'll find a lot of these, these big festivals that are like showcases. They'll say, send us your EPK, and then you, you get on the web, and you can't figure out exactly what it is, and then there's people wanting to create one for you and charge you for it and all that. Look, EPK means electronic press kit. It just means your press kit, your promo pack in an electronic form, PDF is a great way to do it. So as you create these pages in your promo kit, which will be, you know, bio, photo, or photos, high enough resolution that they can use them for print, um, your your audio tracks, maybe video demos, song list, client list, equipment list, reviews, positive reviews that you've gotten in, in the press and that kind of thing. You put all that stuff together in a document, turn it into a PDF file with links, live links back to your various things like your website and your email address and all that kind of stuff. That basically is an EPK or electronic press kit. So look into that. Item 11, videos. Do videos compare to audio recordings? Which one should you do? Should you do both? I would just say this. Good videos that are not overproduced are probably really good for you. Uh, A lot of people will look at a video and they won't bother with an audio. However, you don't have to go out and do MTV style videos. You know, they can be live recordings of you at a gig. Um, I do suggest that you, if you're going to use a video to promote yourself, that you might want to hire a professional to do it to at least bring out a good camera, get a good audio feed either from the board or from some carefully positioned microphones so that you get a good representation of your band. I also think videos are a great way to do little compilations. Like just do a two-minute video that has edits in it. So it's like in two minutes you can hear snatches of five songs. That's really good. And be sure that in the video you have your band name and contact info embedded right into the video. Okay. I'm going to recap and just hit a couple little other ideas. Going back to business cards, 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 cards. If you do nothing else, do business cards. Okay. Uh, now let's talk about, this is marketing while you're at the gig. You're at the gig. Why do I say cards, cards, cards? You got them. Don't leave them in the truck of your car. They don't do you any good if you have them. They only do you good if they have them. And it doesn't matter who they are. Give them out like water. I habitually at gigs, like if we're playing some little chintzy beer joint or something, I will walk around before we play. I'm putting cards at the stage, you know, poking them in the little corners of the speakers I go around to every table and drop about two on every table. I walk down the bar and stick one here and there. There's just cards everywhere. When somebody's sitting there watching you play, I want them to go, oh, that's their card. They may throw it down. They may put it in their pocket. And I have even, at the end of the night, walked around while we're cleaning up and picked up cards, you know. I don't want to leave a mess where the waitresses are going. God, these guys like look put five hundred cards all over the place, but use them, use them, and lose them, and order more. They are cheap, cheap, cheap. One gig will buy you ten years worth of business cards. Get them and throw them to the wind. Put them everywhere, everywhere especially at gigs. Sticking them on bulletin boards at music stores and things like that, you know, I really don't think is that productive. Give them away where you are playing and they will generate more gigs for you, no doubt about it. Okay, another thing is the record table and merchandise and all that kind of stuff. If you think you're going to make money selling t-shirts, you're not, okay? It is not a good way to promote your band. People will buy them, but who the heck ever hired a band because they saw some guy walking down the street wearing a t shirt it That is not how to market the band. You could make a little money and they're kind of fun, especially they're they're good for those people who who like your band, you know your fans that follow you around and stuff like that. I'm not saying don't do t shirts but they they are not good money makers you'll generally lose more than you make on them now, maybe as you move into the upper echelons of bluegrass that might not be true Where you know if you can get 30 people to come up on a t-shirt they could you know at higher levels become a pretty good item for making additional money but they're as far as marketing i don't think of them as marketing uh the record table is important because if you have any kind of recording that you're you are selling That's also the place where people, they might come up and look at it and not buy it, but pick up a card or pick up a picture. You know, we used to have uh, black and white pictures and color pictures. And the color ones we sold for a (laughs) dollar, you know, and we would sign them. A lot of people would just come up and buy them, but they're buying a business card. Okay. I think I have rattled on long enough on this one. I, I literally could talk for days about this kind of stuff. And maybe some of the things I may come back later and expand on a little bit. The last thing I would mention is it's kind of the the final part of of marketing your band one oh one is you need a contract. That does not necessarily mean you need to go hire a lawyer and have a written contract. You don't have to, but just remember that Whenever two people have an agreement, party A will do something and party B will do something in return. That's a contract. If somebody calls you up and says, hey, could you guys come over and play on Tuesday night? You know, we'll give you a hundred bucks and free beer. And you say, yes, bingo, you just made a contract. It's a verbal contract. Written contracts are better, but sometimes they're inappropriate that kind of thing I just described, if you say, sure, and I'll be by at two o'clock and have this 10 page thing for you to sign, they may just back off and go, you know what? I think I'll just call Ralph next time. Cause I don't have time to read this fine print and stuff, but just be prepared. Uh, certain types of clients, um, expect a written contract. And a lot of times the way to do it is to talk to some other musicians, especially people that are in the wedding, you know, wedding entertainment side of it. They're all running with contracts. The photographers have them, you know, the video guy has them. The flower person probably has one and it's, it's insurance to both parties. So, you know, the bride to be, uh, wants a contract and it, it assures her that you'll show up or at least that she has some recourse and some evidence to hassle you if you don't show up or if you don't do what you're supposed to. So just, it's not high priority. It's not item one or two or three on this list, but start thinking about it. A simple one page, just stating who the parties are, what you're going to do, what each of you is going to do and signed by both people will eliminate a lot of confusion and problems, but every gig, you don't, you don't need them for every gig. You know, if, if you're dealing with people who's, who are honorable, um, you know, you can operate on the, your word as your bond, but I'm, you know, sometimes you're going to get burned. So that little piece of paper, one simple one page contract can save you. And, uh, that's enough right now for marketing your band. I hope everyone enjoyed this. I am going to kind of close out this series. This is the last one for the time being on all this, how to start a band, how to be in a band, how to write a set list and all that kind of stuff. I've given you a little marketing advice. I'm going to turn back towards some more, um, musical things here shortly. So I want to say thank you to, Uh, the people and I, somebody just recently gave me a $20 donation in the uh, grass talk supporter thing. And I just want to say a special thank you to that person. I won't mention by name here. That goes a long way to help keep the wheels in motion here. I have to just be honest and tell you. Some days I get up and I'm I'm going to do one of these, and I I seriously sometimes sit here and think, why am I doing this? But then, I I get a little notice in the mail, like not in the email that says so and so, Grass Talk supporter package, twenty bucks. Okay, I guess I'll do another one. So anyway, uh, thank you to everyone who has supported the show, and thanks to all of you kind people who have gone over to iTunes and rated. The show, uh, um, there was one guy that didn't like it, and he he said his piece, but uh, had a whole slew of five stars, and I thank you for those. It means a lot to me. And, of course, I appreciate anyone who shares links to the show with anybody that you know that might be interested. This is a word-of-mouth operation. I do not have any marketing funds available. <laughs> So spread the word around about the show. It's a good free resource for anybody that's into bluegrass. And of course, if you need or want some banjo instruction material or claw hammer banjo videos or man, I've got, I got all kind of stuff, instructional material over on my site at bradleylaird.com. Come over, scope out all the free stuff. And if it moves you, buy something. Thanks a bunch, and I'll talk to you in the next podcast.